0: Good morning, SunWest, and happy Easter. We want to extend a special welcome to those of you who may be tuning in for the very first time online with us. We are so thankful you're here. Here at SunWest, we exist to guide all people into a lifelong, authentic relationship with Jesus Christ.
1: That's right, and, and this morning we celebrate. We celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And our prayer as you listen to this morning's worship and as you hear Pastor Matt's message in just a few moments is that you would truly experience the hope and the life that Jesus has freely given each of us. You know, as, as as Easter is a pivotal time on our Christian calendar, we take time today to remember that, to remember that Jesus loved us so much that he gave his only son that we may have life and have life to the fullest.
0: Yeah, we do have a few short announcements for you before we worship together.
1: The first announcement would be starting point. So if you're new to SunWest, or maybe you've been coming to SunWest for a long time.
0: Or you're a current volunteer at SunWest and haven't had a chance to take starting point
1: yet. Or if you're a current volunteer and haven't had a chance, um, we would encourage you to tune in online this Tuesday night. We're going to offer it in a digital form. And so go to our website, www.sunwestchurch.com, and you can sign up, register for it online there. And 7.30 p.m. this coming Tuesday, we will start. We'll go for four weeks just like we do on Sundays, Uh, but we're going to offer it in a digital form. And we focus really in starting point on our four core pillars here at SunWest, and that's know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. And so if that interests you, we encourage you to sign up today or sign up tomorrow but join us online Tuesday night at 7.30pm
0: Yeah, and there is some workbooks that go along with it Um, you're welcome to, there is an attachment in the registration when you go to sign up you can download it and print it right at home or if you don't have access to a printer there is some in the church mailbox just to the left of the front doors outside
1: yeah, just stop by, yep, grab one, pick one up. and uh, Or if you don't want to print one or do that, you can just download it and follow along digitally. And that would be a great opportunity as well. Uh, Amanda, usually we launch uh, groups at this time of year.
0: Yeah, the week of April 20th was set to be our spring semester
1: of groups. So we, we can't gather, we can't physically be together to do groups. So how do we do that in this unique season?
0: Well, we still believe that uh, we can do life together. It just is going to look a little bit differently. So we've officially um, published our online. Online groups catalog for the spring. So, if you go to our website under next steps, you can see our spring selection of groups or on the church center app as well. And we've got just a great lineup of, of a different variety of groups that you can take in the comfort of your own home, in the safety of your own home, but with others via the Zoom technology.
1: Yeah, via. Technology. It just it really helps us to stay connected. So I would encourage you to go check out the groups that are available. And maybe if there's nothing available that interests you, maybe it's time to start a group yourself and pull some friends or neighbors into an, an online conversation and journey together in this season. And we're glad that you are here with us. Um, we're so glad that we can connect via technology still. And um, our prayer this morning is that this message, this worship. This moment of church at home would bless you, bless your family. We're glad that you're with us. We do miss you all. We love you. Have a great morning. Happy Easter. Something. prepared they found that the stone covering the entrance had been rolled aside so they went in but they didn't find the body of the lord jesus as they stood there puzzled two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes the women were terrified and bowed their faces against the ground the man asked why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? Why? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee. That the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this.
2: Well, I heard about this uh, art piece that came to Calgary uh Quite a number of years ago, apparently it's been to Calgary twice, and it was referred to as The Church. That was the original title of it, Uh, but it was too offensive, so they actually changed the name to the title uh, To Root Out All Evil, and it was made by an artist named Dennis Oppenheim, and he didn't really say much about what this piece was about. In fact, uh, many people found it offensive, and they didn't want it. I mean, he tried to have it put in Stanford, which was his alma mater, and they wouldn't have it because they thought it was too offensive to religious groups. Uh, They had it in Vancouver for a season, and then they moved it out there because of uh, pushback that they had about the church. And it's gotten me to wonder, about what is it about this art piece that is so offensive? The church maybe losing its influence? The church being corrupt, the church being upside down. I'm not sure what it is, but I know that the church throughout various points in history has experienced points where it's been turned upside down. Maybe you have experienced times in your life where you've been flip-turned upside down to quote Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. This happens over and over again, where life takes an unexpected turn. And in this season that we're in with what's going on in the world... It's not just the church, but it's the whole world that I think has been flipped turned upside down. In John 16, Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples. And, and he's, talking about, he's talking to them about the hardship and the trouble that's going to come their way. He's going to say, your, your world is being flipped turned upside down. And in fact, in Mark 13 and Matthew 24, in, this, in a similar conversation, Jesus tells his disciples that the temple uh, is going to be destroyed, that there's going to be no stone uh, left on top of one another, the institution that they've, they've actually gone to for hope is actually going to be destroyed. And here's the crazy thing about Easter. Is that Jesus did not come to earth to start a religion. Jesus did not come to earth to put in a new institution. Which causes us to wonder, what in the world happened 2,000 years ago that disciples who, pre- previous to the death and resurrection of Jesus, were doubting him? Some were abandoning him. We know that at the cross that the women were around him, but the disciples who had been following him for years weren't even there. They abandoned him. But yet, if you follow the trajectory of their life, all but one of the disciples died for their faith. They were martyred because of their belief. Which makes us ask the question, what happened that they went from scared followers of Jesus to fully committed, devoted followers of Jesus, that they were willing to give up their very own lives for this man. Well, what happened was one word, resurrection. Resurrection changed everything. In John 16, 31, Jesus says that that his people, his disciples, are going to be scattered, they're going to be all over the place, they're going to be alone. And it's in seasons like this where we can maybe relate to them and recognize that you know times are changing, that people are hurting, that people are isolated, that our world is being flipped, turned upside down. But then he has this fascinating statement after he says, you're going to be scattered, there's going to be hardship. He says, in me, you have peace. In the world, you have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Now, let's talk about that for one second. In me, you have peace. Now that word peace, erene in the Greek, is, a, is also translated in Hebrew, shalom. And this word is much more than just peace. This word is much more than just, you know, being in right relationship simply. This, this word means a harmony. It means the unity of all things that have been separated, that all things that aren't right. And I think we could all agree when we look at the world around us that things are not as they should be. That something is broken that there's something going on in this world that isn't quite right. And at certain points in history, maybe we forget that. But it's moments where we kind of hit bottom, where our world gets flipped, turned upside down, that we realize that there's something broken and not quite right. And Jesus says, in me, you have shalom. In me, you have peace. And this word shalom talks about every part of life, every part of creation, our relationship with God, our relationship with other human beings, our relationship with this world our identity and security, our relationship with ourselves. This word shalom actually encompasses all of it and says, in me, you will find shalom. In me, all things are made right. So he tells his disciples that they're going to be scattered, that there's trouble coming, there's trouble brewing, that this whole world is going to get flipped, turned upside down. But then he says this fascinating statement. He says, in me, you'll have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Now, let's just break that down for a second. When he says, in me, you will have peace. This word peace, in the Greek, it's "arene," In the Hebrew, it's shalom. It's, it's more than just you know, things being peaceable. It's actually this word of harmony. It's this word of restoration. It's this word that describes everything being returned back to its rightful place, the way it was intended to be when God created the world. He's saying that in me, you will, have, you will experience the world as it was meant to be. This word, Irene, this word, Shalom, it talks about being in right relationship with God. That in me, in Christ, we actually come back to right relationship with God. In Christ, we come back to right relationship with each other. In Christ, we actually come back to right relationship with this world, which Scripture says is groaning, as if, as if it's, in, it's, it's bearing a child that's in birth pangs. It's waiting for a new creation to evolve in Christ we actually have right relations with ourselves we are restored to our original identity as sons and daughters of God this beautiful word describes the good news, the gospel in me in me, peace in me, shalom but then Jesus also goes on to say in this world you will have trouble in this world, you will have trouble. There's, I think we could all say there's something not right in the world, I, particularly at a point like this in history where we look at what's going on in our world, what's going on across the world, not just in one part of the world, but but this pandemic that's going on with COVID-19 is actually affecting everybody, and we recognize that something is not right in this world. And sometimes when things are going really well in our life, we forget that. We, we think that, eh, what do I need Jesus? What do I need Shalom for? But when our world gets turned upside down, we actually remember we have the sobering moment that, you know what, things aren't quite right, that things are broken, that this myth of progress, that things are just slowly evolving and getting better and better and better, doesn't actually, uh, that doesn't exist, that's not true. In fact, we, we medicate this broken world in lots of different ways. So he doesn't beat around the bush and, and say that, you know, in me you're going to have peace and everything's going to be okay. No, he says, in me you have peace, but in this world you will have trouble. And I think we can agree when we look around at the world right now, particularly, it's obvious that something is not right, that we have been separated in some way from a relationship with God. We've, our, our relationship with other human beings has been fractured. Our relationship with the world itself is not as it ought to be, that disease still exists, that pandemics still happen, earthquakes still happen, famine still happens, corruption still happens. And sometimes we forget, but we're reminded when our world goes upside down that these things still happen. And and we shouldn't be surprised by that because Jesus says, in this world, in this world, you're going to have trouble. You're going to experience things that aren't right, that aren't the way I intended. In fact, in Mark 13 and in Matthew 24, uh, when Jesus is talking, having this conversation, he says, there's plagues, there's famines, there's earthquakes, these things are going to happen. But he says, take heart. I have overcome the world. Now, what's happening here when Jesus says, "I have overcome the world"? You know, when I was uh, when I was younger, I, I remember being in junior high. I was playing uh, hockey on the road with my brother, and uh, we we're playing uh, hockey, and, and this, and our neighbor comes along. Uh, he was about two years older than my brother at the time, uh, so he's probably about sixteen or seventeen years old. And our neighbor uh, tries to take a stick from us and say, you know. You know, I'm going to play hockey with you guys. And I remember my brother standing up and saying, No, you can't take my stick. Uh, You know, we're playing hockey. And this neighbor kid took my brother, ripped the stick out of his hand, threw my brother on the pavement, and started to kick him while he was down, knocking the wind out of him on the street in front of my house. Then he went home. I remember my dad coming home from work that day. And... We told my dad what had happened, and my dad had like this, uh, you know, my dad's a pretty calm, peaceful guy, but he had like, like this anger, this this loving anger that actually just exploded from inside of him. I've never seen the look in my dad's eyes like I saw that day, and he walks out of the house. I remember looking out of the house. He walks out of the house, out of our driveway, down the street, walks into the neighbor's house, and then he proceeded to walk through their kitchen, their living room, into this neighbor kid's room, and this kid was hiding, the 16, 17 year old uh, bully kid was hiding under his bed in the fetal position, afraid of my dad. Now, when I think about when Jesus says, I have overcome the world, and the Easter story, what I see is this picture of our Heavenly Father who looks at this world and sees that something's not quite right, looks at this world and sees that something's broken, looks at the pain, looks at the brokenness, and he's had enough of it. He, he, he can't handle it. and so. He walks into this earth. He puts on flesh in the person of Jesus. He, in fact, after he dies on the cross on Good Friday, uh, on that Saturday, church history teaches us that he went to the depths of hell. And I just see Satan in this fetal position under his bed and Jesus restoring all things. And so when he says, I've overcome the world, he's gone to the depths of hell and come back And he's resurrected. And this is what the disciples see. This is what transforms the disciples to the point that they're willing to give away their whole lives for this hope because they have seen resurrection on the other side of death. So I don't know if you've ever experienced that parental type of love that is just... uh, It's an angry love. And it's an angry love because something that is dear... To the parents' heart, their own kids have been in danger and and there's this anger that rises up. And I see this picture of God who looks down at our world so upset at what has happened, so upset at the toll that death and evil and brokenness has taken on us, that he enters into our world. And church history tells us that on, on that Saturday that Jesus not only went to the cross, but he kept going into the very depths of hell. Because he was so in love with his kids, with you and I. And Jesus comes out of hell, and on the third day, he's resurrected, comes back to life. This is the peace that that transformed the lives of the disciples. This is why they were willing to give up their own lives. This is why they went from doubters, went from scaredy cats to people who were fully committed to following Jesus. Why? Because they had seen Jesus on the other side of the grave, on the other side of death. And they recognized that there was hope beyond the trouble of this world. There was hope beyond the grave. And so Jesus says, take heart. And one translation says, be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. Now here's the crazy thing that go even beyond this so this happened to jesus and jesus gives us hope but in first corinthians 15 paul tells us not only did the resurrection happen to jesus but the resurrection happens to all who are in jesus so we might be in the world but if we are in christ then jesus is the prototype for what happens to every single one of us and if you think of the life of jesus after he was resurrected it's he he had conversations with his friends the relationship still existed. He had a new body, but it was still he had a physical body. We see that he's eating, he's drinking, he's appearing and he's disappearing, but yet he's physically there. That there, there was something new, there was something physical, there was something about resurrection that applies to us after the grave. One of the things that we notice about Jesus and his resurrected body is that he still had scars on his hands. And the scars that were intended to crucify him, to hurt him, to kill him, were actually marks of victory in his resurrected life. To me, that tells me that no matter what trouble, no matter what hardship, no matter what pain, no matter matter what brokenness that we have in this world, we can take heart because Jesus overcome the world, which means the scars that you have in your life, the wounds that you've inquired, are actually going to be testimonies of victory in the resurrected life. I don't know your story. I don't know what wounds have happened to you, but I do know Jesus. And I do know the hope that we have because of his actual resurrection that death and everything in between will not have the last word for those who are in Christ. And so friends, on this Easter Sunday, I would encourage you, not to fall into this false thinking that, that that says, well, because Jesus died for my sins and was resurrected, that I'm never going to have trouble, I'm never going to have pain. No, that's actually not what Jesus promises. He says, you will have pain, you will have trouble, but take heart, be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. Death is going to happen to every single one of us. I know in the season of COVID-19 that we... You know, we maybe think about death and we think about pain in a new kind of way, but the reality is every single one of us is going to die at some point. But Jesus tells us the reality for those who are in Christ is that that does not have to be your story. And so may you realize that Jesus not only went to the cross, but went to the depths of hell because he loves you. May you realize that he didn't stay there, that he came back three days later because he was victorious. May you see the scars on his wrists and recognize that the, what was intended to kill him and to harm him were now marks of victory for him. And may you be encouraged and know that every wound you've ever inquired, every wound you've actually ever given to somebody else has now been forgiven. Whether you've been hurt or whether you've been hurt or have done the hurting, that Jesus forgives and Jesus renews. This is what the resurrection tells us. He forgives us for what we've done, and he renews every wrong that has been done to us. And the resurrection story is not just a story about Jesus, but it gets to be a story about you and I. So place your hope in Jesus. Be in Christ. Take heart, because even though you're in the world and you experience trouble, Christ has overcome the world. He is risen. May we live like the disciples in light of that reality. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us on this Easter Sunday. Even though the season, Easter season, hasn't been what it normally is, um, we hope that it gives you an opportunity to focus on the true meaning of Easter and the hope that Jesus brings. Obviously, the best part about Easter is Jesus. But my second favorite part about Easter is the Pascha
3: sprinkles. Pascha is so good. Why do we? Why can't we have it every day of the year? Why do we have it only once?
4: We only have it once a year. Uh, because Pascha actually means Passover. And the Passover meal was something that the the Jewish people had only one time a year to remember how God had rescued them. And then Jesus came and reinvented the Passover meal, and that's what we do when we have communion on Good Friday. And Pascha is actually like the beginning of new life. And so it's like the special sweet bread that's full of sugar, um, which is why Silas likes it so much. Um, that we only that we only have one time a year because it's that special of an event and it changes everything. And so uh, we hope that you have experienced that hope uh, that changes everything. And we're just going to pray together. Uh, thanks again for joining us. And we hope that you have a, a good Easter and uh, that you feel the hope and presence of Jesus because of what he's done. Let's pray. God, thank you for uh, Easter Sunday. We thank you for resurrection. We thank you that... Uh, that death didn't have the final word and because of that lord there's nothing uh, that we need to be afraid of in this life and that we can have hope uh, because of your love for us uh, your victory over sin and death and the forgiveness that you've offered us and so we just thank you for that today uh, we want to live in light of what you have done for us in jesus name we pray amen